Thank you. This is how many of our lives look. Right here. This is how many of our lives look. Let's call this life number one. This is how many of our lives look. This life right here is consumed and overwhelmed by all the pressures around it. This life represents many of us. This life is trying desperately to do everything perfectly now. That's this life. This life is being stretched thinner and thinner and thinner. This life is overworked, it's underutilized, and it's making little, if any, difference. This life is stressed, it's hectic, it's barren. Socrates, a classic Greek philosopher, said this, Beware the barrenness of a busy life. My name is Justin Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church. And today we're starting a new three-week series called First. It's the idea that what we put first in our lives really matters. It's the idea that what we focus on really matters. The decisions that we make day in and day out and week in and week out and month in and month out, year in and year out, really matters. What we say yes to and what we say no to really matters. Let me tell you a story about a man named Tom. Tom grew up in California And he got married to an incredible woman named Annie. And on a bright winter morning, Tom visited his wife in the hospital. And even in the hospital, Annie was radiant, but she was also exhausted. It was the day after their precious daughter was born. Their daughter was born a happy, healthy seven pounds, seven ounces. What should have been one of the happiest, most fulfilling days of Tom's life was actually filled with all kinds of inner tension. Even while his beautiful baby daughter lay in his wife's arms, he was on his phone. And he was checking emails from work, and he was answering texts from work. He was checking these incoming texts, and he was feeling the pressure to go to a meeting with some potential clients. His colleague had written him a text, And this is what the text said. This is from his colleague. The text said, Friday between 1 and 2 would be an awful time to have a baby because I need you to be at this meeting with these clients. Hashtag big money. It was now Friday, and Tom was feeling the pressure to attend this meeting. I mean, it said hashtag big money. So Tom was confronted with a choice. I mean, this was clearly a time to be there for his wife and his newborn daughter. So when he was asked by his colleague if he planned to attend this meeting, he responded with a text, and it just simply said, I'll be at the meeting. While his wife lay in the hospital with their hours-old baby, Tom went to the meeting. 
And after the meeting, his colleague said to him, man, glad you were here. The client will respect you for making this decision to be here. But the look on the client's faces didn't show respect. Instead, they mirrored what he felt. I mean, the whole meeting, Tom couldn't help but think to himself, like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? He realized that he said yes simply to please other people. And in doing so, he had hurt his family, he hurt his integrity, and he even hurt the client relationship. As it turned out, exactly nothing came from that client meeting. He didn't make hashtag big money. And in trying to keep everyone else happy, and in trying to, to make everyone else happy, he sacrificed what mattered most. You see, Tom's going to, he's going to be able to recover from that decision, but we're making decisions like this all the time. Day in and day out. Year in and year out. We're making decisions like this all the time. And after I reflected on Tom's story, the lesson is this. This is the lesson I think we should learn. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. Clarifying priorities would have helped Tom to make better decisions in that moment. Like, what's most important? What's my priority in my life? What's, what's most important? What's, what should come first in my life? It would have helped Tom make better decisions. It would have kept him out of the doghouse. You see, making your priorities clear, determining what's most important in my life, is a huge step in the right direction. But it's still not enough. Oftentimes, people begin to prioritize their life, but it ends up looking like this. Okay, we're going to call this life number two. Life number two, it looks a little more organized than life number one. It looks a little more put together. Things are prioritized and, and, and you kind of got it going on, you know, on the out, outward appearance. It looks a little more organized, but this life is still being pulled in a thousand different directions. It feels like a millimeter of progress in a million di different directions. This life is still being stretched thinner and thinner. It's more organized than life number one, but it still feels like chaos. It may feel like organized chaos, and there's a void. You're empty still. There's, there's, there's something missing. Often, this life right here, even though it looks all together and it looks all like structured and you got, you've got your priorities straight, it often feels fake. You look all organized, but you're barely keeping your head above water. I would say that the majority of us fit in one of these two categories. Either you're in this category and you're just admittedly like, I, I, I'm in life number one. That's me. Like, I, don't even, I didn't even set my clock back, you know. That's me. I'm in life number one. Or others of us would say, uh, 
life number two. I got things organized, but I still feel out of control. You see, in the day and age in which we live, we live in a busy bubble. We're trying to do it all, and we're trying to have it all. We don't have any space for relationships. We don't have any space for reflection. We don't have any space to explore. We have too many priorities, plural. Now catch this. Greg McCowan, he wrote a book called Essentialism, and he tells us about the word priority, singular. And this was just so fascinating, I wanted to share it with you. He says this, the word priority came into the English language in the 1400s, and it was singular, priority. It meant the very first or the prior thing. The very first or the prior thing. The word priority stayed singular for the next 500 years, and it wasn't until the 1900s did we make the term priority plural. And we started talking about priorities. We falsely believed that by changing the word, we could bend reality. Somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things. This reasoning gives the impression that many things can be a priority but actually means nothing is a priority. Let me ask you a couple questions this morning. Who or what is the priority in your life? Who or what comes first in your life? You see, today's talk is really all about faith. It's really about living a life of faith. We're going to look at a little passage from a very famous sermon that Jesus spoke. It's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And it's found in the writings of Matthew, one of Jesus' followers. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in these chapters, Jesus was teaching thousands of people about the Beatitudes. He was teaching thousands of people of how to deal with anger. He talked about adultery and divorce. He talked about revenge and loving your enemies and giving to the poor. He talked about prayer. He talked about not judging other people. Jesus taught on money and possessions. Let me just say this. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are incredible. If you haven't read them, you need to read them. They are so good, so rich. But specifically in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching this large crowd of people. And he's telling them that when your life is in God's hands, you have nothing to worry about. You remember the famous passage where he says, God takes care of the lilies of the field. He, he takes care of the birds of the air. And if he can take care of the flowers and the birds, he can take care of you. So don't worry. Don't worry when your life is in God's hands. God the Father is the one who provides. God the Father is the one who already knows your needs. So you don't need to worry. And then very simply, Jesus shares with this large crowd of people, he shares with them the answer, the secret recipe to a life that is fulfilling, a life that is full of purpose, and a life that is full of great meaning. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. 
This is the secret sauce, okay, from Jesus. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Or first. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he, God, will give you everything you need. And this isn't just speaking of physical This is speaking of spiritual and emotional and mental. He will give you everything you need when you seek the kingdom of God above all else. You know, you may be thinking this morning, man, I've seen the example of life number one and life number two, but, but what does God want our lives to look like? What does God want our lives to look like? According to the words of Jesus, I believe that he wants our lives to look like this. Now, remember... Our lives touch so many different areas, right? Our lives, we have to steward a bunch of things in our lives. We have to steward our marriage. We have to steward our parenting. We have to steward our finances, okay? So we have multiple things in our lives that we have to steward. Once again, we have to steward our marriage. We have to steward our finances and our parenting We have friendships. Maybe we have commitments to our church. Maybe we have commitments to our community. And I say this because I've referred to it as like, man, we have a a tank, right? There's only so much we can give. And sometimes pastors like myself, we can abuse the the fuel that's in your tank. We can say, you've got to give it all to the church. And that's not... Reality, you can't. You have to save some fuel in the tank for your marriage. You have to have some fuel in the tank for your parenting. You have to have some fuel in the tank for your work, for your career. You have to steward these things. And that's a reality. That's just a fact of life. But I believe that God wants our lives to look like this. all the things that we have going on in our life, all the the multiple things that we're trying to steward, we have to keep Jesus at the center. We have to. So what does it mean to keep Jesus at the center? We are to seek, we are to desire, to pursue, to aim in this direction. Seeking first the kingdom of God above all else. It's aiming. It's it's filtering all your decisions. It's filtering everything through Jesus Christ. It's asking him, God, what do you think about this decision? What do you think I should do in this situation? It's bringing God into your everyday life. King Solomon, a man who was given an incredible gift of wisdom, he said the same thing in some of his writings found in the book of Proverbs. It's like right in the middle of your Bible. Solomon said this in Proverbs chapter 3, in verse 6. He said, in all your ways, okay, in all your ways, all the things you got going on, acknowledge him. Acknowledge God. Bring him into all your things. In all your ways, acknowledge him, Jesus Christ, and he will make straight your paths. Or another way to say it is, he will make your path clear. Wouldn't it be incredible to have clarity? 
Seek after him. Acknowledge him and he will give you everything you need. Solomon also said this in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. He said, ponder or consider the path of your feet, where, where you're going with your life. And then all your ways, once again, all the things that you're stewarding will be sure, will be solid. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. And then he says, turn your foot away from evil. Straight is the way. Man, time after time it says this in the scripture. Straight is the way. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Your path is clear when you stay focused right here. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. You know, after reading the words from Jesus Christ where he said, seek first the kingdom of God, put it above everything else. When we read the words from King Solomon, I think the lesson that we need to learn is this. We were not designed to do it all. Can I just personally confess to you? I am guilty of trying to do it all. I am guilty of trying to be Mr. Superhero because honestly, when I get to the core of it, is I want people to pat me on the back and say, you're awesome, okay? I want people to say, man, that's incredible. I want some glory. I'm guilty of trying to do it all. But the reality is we were not designed to do it all. When we don't purposefully and deliberately choose where to focus our energies, our time, other people, our bosses, our colleagues, our clients, our friends, outside influences will choose for us. And before long, we lose sight of everything that is meaningful and important in our life. We, we lose sight of it. We can either make our choices deliberately on purpose, or we can allow other people's agendas to control our lives. Don't, church, don't try to do it all. Do what matters most. Do what matters most. Once an Australian nurse named Bronnie Ware, she cared for people in the last days of their lives and she recorded what they most often discussed with her as their regrets, what they regretted in their life. And she actually wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. This is, this is so profound. At the top of the list was this. These are the regrets of people that are dying. I wish I would have had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. You remember a few weeks back when I had a mirror and I asked you to look into that mirror and I, I asked you to say, who is it that God has designed you to be? So many of us are living our lives according to others' expectations instead of going to Jesus and saying, how did you make me? Who do you want me to be? Being true to who God has made you to be. That was like the number one regret. People also said, I wish I wouldn't have worked so much. People also said, I wish I would have had the courage 
to express my feelings. I'm going to say this one more time for the fellas in the room, okay? I wish I would have had the courage to express how I feel. And they also said, I wish I would have stayed in touch with my friends. I wanted to read those to us because we're talking about what really matters, what's really important. And I'm afraid in the culture that we live in, we're caught up in a lot of stuff that doesn't really matter. You know, instead of reacting to social pressures pulling us in a million different directions, what if we chose instead to reduce or to simplify or to focus on what is absolutely essential? And I am making the argument this morning that this is absolutely essential. And this would require staying focused on what truly matters most. Matthew 6.33 Seek the kingdom of God above all else or first and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Either it's true or it's not. And you see, living this way, it requires great faith because it means that you'll have to say no to some really good opportunities. It makes our decisions so important. Let me talk about decisions for just a moment. Our, our lives are full of decisions. Every day we're making decisions. Decisions that affect our families, our children, our businesses. Decisions that affect other people around us. And once again, we have a large range of stewardships. You see, we're husbands and fathers. We're wives and mothers. We're sons and daughters. We're employees and employers. We have friendships to steward. Our lives touch so many different areas, so many different people. But making decisions in your life is such a critical process. It's so important. So I wanted us to just quickly look at the word decide. The word decide actually has Latin roots, and it literally means to cut off. When you make a decision, I'm going to go on this path, you're cutting off, other paths. It means to cut off. For example, when you decide to try to do everything, to be a superhero, right? To be someone maybe that you're not, you actually cut off the potential of other people. When you try to make everyone happy, you cut off the opportunity of being who God has made you to be. Young people, listen. When you decide not to give in to negative peer pressure, you actually cut off the negative consequences that come with those bad decisions. You see, making good decisions cuts off evil. It cuts off bad consequences. So so let me ask you, what decisions do you need to make To cut evil out of your life. To cut off negative consequences. Maybe maybe it's a negative relationship that is is 
pulling you down. When you decide to put Jesus at the center of your life, you're cutting off evil from your life. And when Jesus is at the center of my life, I've, I know this from firsthand experience. My decisions, my relationships, my focus, when Jesus is at the center of my life, I have everything I need. And everything just seems to work better. Just, it does. I, I, I so want us to, to, to get a grasp on this. I, I want us to look at this very practically. Okay, we're, we're looking at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Put the kingdom of God above everything else. So let's look at this very practically. When you live your life like this, okay, in these two arenas, when your life is in those two arenas, this is what you're always thinking, okay? You're always thinking, I have to. I have to. Remember, you're trying to please everybody, so I have to do this. I have to do that. You're always thinking... It all needs to be done now. Like you have no patience. Because you're not asking God's opinion. You're not saying, Jesus, what do you think about this? So it has to be done now. And you're always thinking, how can I fit it all in? Because you got so much going on. There's no space. There's no space for God to work, for God to move. But when you're living in this arena, life number three and Jesus is at the center, this is what you're thinking. You're thinking, I choose to do this or that. It's not, I have to, but I get to. You're thinking, what is most important? You see, you're filtering it through what Jesus thinks, what God desires. What's most important? And when you're living with Jesus at the center... It brings wisdom into your decision-making. And you begin to realize, I can say no. Like, I don't have to say yes to everything. I can say no because I realize that I wasn't created to do everything. I don't have to do it all. But let's consider your outward actions, okay? When you live in these arenas, how does it, how does it ooze out of your life? comes out because you're always reacting. You're always behind. It's just like this rat race. You're just always scrambling. People that are living in these two arenas, they say yes without any consideration or thought because once again, they're trying to please everyone. And they're always last minute because they're trying to keep up. They're trying to keep their head above water. But when you live with Jesus at the center it comes out, you have discernment. You have space to consider your decisions. And when opportunities come your way, you prayerfully say yes or no. Because you take it to the throne of God and you say, God, is this good for me? Is this what you want? Is this what you desire? And the people that live with Jesus at the center, their lives are defined by faithfulness and discipline. They're faithful people. They're disciplined people. And then lastly, let's consider what these lives bring you. You see, what I'm really doing this morning is I'm just painting the picture of two different paths. A path in pursuit of Jesus Christ 
or a path in pursuit of whatever the heck you want to do. So you're going to get things from those two different paths. So what do you get? When you're living your life according to your own rules, this is what you get. You're never satisfied. Just There's always an emptiness. There's always a void. You get a life that feels out of control. And eventually, I have to be honest, sometimes that life can be fun. Like the scripture says, for a season. And then you get this feeling of being overwhelmed and exhausted. But when Jesus is at the center of your life, and you seek the kingdom of God above all else, this is what you will get. You will get a full life that matters, that really makes a difference. This life will also give you a feeling that, man, I, it's working out. It makes sense. I have clarity. I feel like my life's not out of control. And then when Jesus is at the center of your life, you also experience joy. And let me tell you, joy is different than happiness, okay? Happiness is based upon your circumstances. Joy, you can be going through hardships and you still have joy because you have hope. You're expectant. You're trusting. It's not a life free of hardships, but it's a life full of joy. So how do we do this? All right, Justin, that sounds pretty good. How do we do this? How do we keep Jesus first? How do we keep him at the center of our lives? Once again, seeking the kingdom of God above all else is being concerned with what God thinks in all matters, in all decisions of your life. So the takeaway for us is this. Involve God in the everyday of your life. Involve God in the everyday. Once again, we live in a religious culture. And so many people are so good at playing religion on Sundays and Saturdays. And man, it's just, we, we can play the game. But I'm, I'm, I'm suggesting, I'm encouraging us, let's not play the game. Let's Let's be authentic. Let's be real in our faith. And let's involve Jesus in the everyday of our life. And this is how you involve God. This is how you seek the kingdom of God above all else. This is how you know what God wants for your life. First of all, you look to his scriptures. You look to his word. It's like that's how God tells you what he thinks and what he wants for you. You look to the scriptures. Secondly, you connect with God's people. That's where you find relationship. You connect with God's people. And then thirdly, you learn to hear and to listen to His Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, His Holy Spirit indwells you. His Holy Spirit guides us and teaches us. And you've got to learn to hear from the Spirit of God. You've got to learn to listen to the Spirit of God. So once again, involving God in, in your everyday life, you need to look to the Scriptures you need to connect with His people and you need to trust His Spirit. Once again, okay, involving God in the everyday of your life, you need to look to the Scriptures. You need to connect with His people and you need to trust His Spirit. You need to look to the Scriptures. 
You need to connect with His people and you need to trust His Spirit. I'm going to say it one more time because it's funny. All right? All right? You need to look. It's true, though. You need to look to the Scriptures. You need to connect with His people and you need to trust His Spirit. That is seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm going to close in prayer. Father God, Father God, we know a lot of things in our lives are not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. And life is often a choice between am I, am I doing something good or am I going to do what's best? Father, we also know that if the enemy cannot make us bad or you know, make us veer off into some horrible sin, he will make us busy. Because he knows that if he can get us busy, we won't have time for the important stuff. Time spent with you, Father. We won't have time for your ministry or for your mission. Father, I pray that you would help us to simplify our lives and to eliminate distractions, to make decisions so that we can be used for your glory. Father, I pray that you would help us not to try to do it all, but help us to do what matters most. God, give us wisdom in this area of seeking the kingdom of God above all else. And I pray that we would have the guts, we would have the courage, we would have the faith to do it. We ask these things. In Jesus' name we pray.